Welcome to another episode of Peers Over Beers, your favorite digital and social evangelist podcast with your industry veteran hosts, Michael Sandoval and Chris Tetzel. This podcast starts now. Hello, good afternoon. My name is Michael Sandoval and welcome to another episode Sorry, of Peers Over Beers. I'm here with my host, uh, Chris Detzel. Hey, Chris. Hey, Michael. How's it going? I'm <laughs> doing well, Chris. How are you doing? You laugh every time. I, I, yeah, I, don't I, know, get I always that. laugh every time. I always kick off like that. It's pretty funny. And today we have a special guest I'd like to introduce to, to our special guest. Her name is Holly Firestone. Hello, Holly. Welcome to our show. Hi there. It is wonderful to have you online. We were we always have our little pre-chat uh, talking about uh, you know stuff under the sun and it seems like we're all from Texas, or at least we all are in Texas right now. So it's a, you know, we have that in common going on. But, you know, we've, um, so before I kind of get kissed off, I would like, Holly, just please introduce yourself to our, our wonderful audience, and uh, we'll take it from there. All right, great. Well, first of all, thank you for inviting me to join you. I'm very excited to be here. I love talking about all things community all of the mm. time. Yeah, so, do we. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, as y'all said, I'm Holly Firestone, uh, and I am in Austin, Texas. I have been in the community game. It'll be 10 years this year, um, and currently working at a uh, machine identity protection company, a security company called Venify, based in Salt Lake City, and uh, running the community for them. Been there about five months. So it's a new adventure and I'm very excited about it. Um, and again, just very excited to be here talking to y'all about community. That's exciting. Thank you very much for, uh, for joining. Um, you know, we'll kind of step into it because you had mentioned you had been in it uh, for about 10 years. Uh, you know, we've, we've had the pleasure of interviewing many community managers and I love asking this question about how they got into it because it's not something you just pick, pick up in your class syllabus. <laughs> True. Um, so, so it started, I actually, my first community management role was at a nonprofit um, and the nonprofit would send people out on these uh, trips. It's called Birthright Israel. It's, um, it's a Jewish nonprofit. They'd send everybody on these trips out to Israel and then they wanted to build communities of alumni when they got back from their trip. And so I uh, started out as a community manager there and then they closed all of the offices except for New York. So the poor you know, CEO had to go on basically a firing tour of everybody and let everybody go. And so I really had to reflect on what I wanted to do. And then at that time, you know, I knew I was a community manager in the sense of a nonprofit, but I hadn't really thought about it you know, in the, in the larger sense. So I started really researching what I wanted to do. And I applied for, um, I saw a community management role online for TaskRabbit. And I remember reading it and seeing everything that was in the job description. I was like, this is absolutely what I want to do. I want to be a community <laughs> manager. I want to do it for tech. Like this exactly, this is it. And interviewed with them, didn't get the role. So, oh. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I still really, really, really want to do this. Um, and so that really sparked my interest into community management as a whole and digging in and trying to figure out, you know, how to get into the community management um, field and to do it in tech when I didn't really have a tech background either. So um, a few kind of false starts. I went to um, 
a search engine marketing company and I was in a marketing role there where community management was part of it, but it ended up being a lot more social media management. So that wasn't totally a right fit. And then uh, applied for an event role actually at Atlassian. So I realized that I would probably need to get my foot in the door in tech. I had a lot more event experience under my belt, Um, interviewed for this role, got all the way down to the last two people uh, and then didn't get the job. And so it was definitely, you know, it was disappointing, but I was like, well, you know, it wasn't meant to be because I want to be a community manager. And about, it must have been three days later, the community manager uh, at Atlassian called me. Uh, She was one of the people on my interview panel and she said, I'm hiring would you be interested in community management instead of events? And I was like, would I ever? <laughs> so, <laughs> Somebody so, was looking out for you. Wow. Huh? Somebody well, was looking cool. out for you. That's exactly. great. Exactly. It just worked out. And so that was, uh, that was really what kicked it off. And, um, and I worked at Atlassian for a couple years. Uh, so that person that hired me, she ended up leaving a couple months after I started. And it was in just the kind of beginning stages of um, them having a user group program. That was their whole community, but it didn't really exist yet. So we got to build that essentially from the ground up and rebuild a lot of things, um, you know, that, that weren't built to scale. And that was, um, that was really the beginning of it. And it was an incredible period of time. I loved working at Atlassian. I still think it's an amazing company. Um, And I loved building that program. And it's really just uh, it warms my heart to see the Atlassian community now and all of the great work that that team has done. They're an incredible team there. Um, and they've built so much in the last. It's a big team now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it was just me. So it was a lot of work. Uh, yeah, I actually exactly. have an upcoming blog post about work-life balance. And I talk a lot about how I just like kind of locked myself in a room that first year that I worked there and just would crank, crank, crank away because there was so much to do and um, yeah, not a ton of resources. So, um, so yeah, so then I worked at Atlassian for a couple of years and had uh, this opportunity to, um, to work at Salesforce. I had met Erica Cool, who's my community hero. Um, I met her a couple of years before maybe, and just had reached out to her on a whim and said, you know, I'm not looking right now, but if anything ever opens up, let me know. And she did. And uh, that's how I got brought into Salesforce. I spent five years at Salesforce. It started, I was running their user group program and their MVP program. And then um, the last three years, um, pretty much the entire community program, Erica was running, uh, Erica was my boss the whole time that I was there. But towards that last three years, she had kind of elevated her role too, which is awesome and was working on placement and student groups and student community. So I got to take over the whole uh, community, which was absolutely incredible. And such an honor, such a challenge. Um, I had the best team in the world. They're still just an incredible team. And yeah. And so then um, from there, I knew I wanted to move on to something else, build something from scratch. Um, I thought that that would be a really exciting, interesting challenge and ended up finding this opportunity at Venify. Well, they found me and, um, and that's where I'm at now. And so I'm building a community completely from scratch, back on my own, rolling up my sleeves, all of the little things, all of the big things. And it has been quite a, um, a roller coaster of an experience all in, in great ways and um, you know in some challenging ways too well that's a, it's a great uh, <laughs> kind of story it, you know it's, it's funny I was listening to you and I'm like I reflect some of the stuff that I've you know been able to do too and it's kind of fun uh, it's just fun you know you kind of think about some of those little twists and turns and uh, to lead you where you are you know some mm-hmm. we've talked about some some folks on community managers they kind of uh, they fall into it, you know, 
luckily, right? Uh, mm-hmm. how they do it. And it's funny you mentioned Erica. We had a chance to talk with her also on our show too, uh, learning from from her uh, experiences as well. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you know, it's funny. You also are green. You're greenfielding this new community, correct? Your new mm-hmm. new role. Sorry. You're greenfielding this new community at uh, uh, Verify. Yeah. Yep. Pardon me. How much? Uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, I don't know about how you enjoy, it, but it's almost just as like it's fun when it's brand new, isn't it? <laughs> you know, it is. Um, it's, I'm having a lot of fun with it, and I think it just really also depends on the environment that you're in. And I talk about this a little in a blog post that I published today about finding a new role. But when I was talking to the Venify team when I was interviewing for the role, one of the things that I recognized was, you know, their their community intentions. Were they authentic? Were they mm-hmm. really trying to build a community for the right reasons? And they are. And so that made it, you know, really pushed me in the right direction of taking this role and taking this on. And it has been completely true throughout my experience is that I am, you know, treated as the subject matter expert on all things community. Um, And if something's got to change, then, you know, we change it. And, you know, I'm allowed to kind of play with things and iterate. And, um, and that's been, that's been the best thing that I could ask for because we've seen a lot of success already with this new community that we're building. And I think it's because, um, you know, they, they trust me and, uh, that's a really important part of this. Uh, mm-hmm. so it's, it's a lot more than just, you know, uh, the, the fun of building it from scratch, but being able to do it in the right supportive environment with the right resources. You know, I, I read your post and I completely agree with it. I would love for you to talk about this idea that you posted there about this idea that they were ready for it and they knew it. Like what, what um, would love for you to expand on that a bit more. What, what, what was it that specifically we were looking for? That they were looking for? No, that you were looking for that. You oh, knew that they were ready. Um, that I knew that they were ready. So I think, gosh, a lot of things, you know, the conversations that I had with them were very telling. You know, I talked to uh, the CMO, who's now my manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, I talked to their CEO. And just the fact that they understood the base layer of what community is, you know, why it's valuable, how it can be valuable, not down to the nitty gritty of this is exactly what we're going to do. And this is what we're going to measure. They would, they told me this, we leave that to you. You're going to build this. It was really uh, just more about generally the goals of the community overall. They knew that they wanted to build one. They knew they wanted a strong one. And the reason why is that they just had their first customer summit last year and uh, it went really, really well, but the customers were just constantly engaged with each other. They would try to end, you know, a set a discussion session or lunch or whatever. And they couldn't pull people apart because <laughs> they were so excited to be in a room together with people that do what they do. Um, and so they just, they, they saw that they realized that connection is really important and that's why they wanted to build a community. So for me, that was, you know, a big green flag saying they're doing this for the right reasons. It's about the people connecting to each other. And then all of the other details will be worked out by someone that's done this before. So I appreciated that a lot about what they were doing. And it just really showed me that they were moving in the right direction and wanted to move in the right direction. Well, that's pretty advanced because especially at kind of sea level discussions in my past, you know, you're absolutely right. You don't you don't expect them to understand the nuts and bolts, mm-hmm. but recognizing that they need it is an important piece. And it's a very difficult. It may seem easy for us because we're in it every day. But what mm-hmm. is the community? The value there. The value brings to customers. The value brings to the bottom line. But uh, if you're not if you're not exposed to it, being able to recognize it at that level is difficult. It seems like they've had some 
level exposure and saw it in some way, somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, did they, I mean, did they just know about it already or they were just, they knew this is something they had to go do? Mm, that's a good question. I don't totally, I'm sure they've seen community before. I mean, now it's popping up everywhere and they've all been at other, at other companies. So um, I don't know, it could be kind of a mix. Fascinating. Yeah, no, I just I find it very almost uh, um, advanced. I mean, not to sound bad or, or you know against them, but it's just you know usually it takes a few a few goes <laughs> to to get them uh, at that at that level. Yeah. But, but the other thing uh, was, uh, hey, Michael. I don't know. I mean, when you look at technology companies like Imperva, uh, Venify, etc. I mean, I think a lot of these, you know, maybe not to all the way from the CEO, but a lot of the executives, customer success, marketing, and those kinds of folks, I think they, I don't know if they get it, but they understand that there's value in that. And, and, you know, they think, you know, from a customer success standpoint, they hear retention, it brings in better retention, you know, you can upsell, cross-sell, et cetera. But, you know, from a marketing standpoint, you're thinking advocates, you're thinking, I mean, how else can you get people to connect to each other? And you're thinking of all, so, so I think, they kind of do get that from that standpoint. Maybe they don't get it from like a company that we worked for in the past from, you know, an electrical distributor company. I mean, so it's a little different. So I don't know. I mean, but I, I agree with Holly. It, it's it's nice to have that kind of, you know, uh, uh, buy-in already at the, the top level. And that's key because if you don't have that, you know, then it's probably not going to succeed. Um, but I, I still think even if you have that buy-in, Holly, and you tell me mm-hmm. is uh, it's still a lot of work. I mean, just because I get buy-in doesn't mean they will do anything, right? And so you got to go really show certain pieces of value of what the community can bring. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily also mean that it's going to be prioritized in certain ways. So for example, I work in the customer success team, which is a great place to be. But when I need marketing to help me build out like the UI, UX of the online community, oh, well, you know, we can help, but that's not a priority today for us. So you got to figure out ways of getting priorities for community, uh, you know, at the at the front, at the front line, and that to me is even the harder part because I had all kinds of buy-in, but didn't really mean it means okay, Chris, whatever money you need, but <laughs> good luck at getting all this time from everybody else. You know, I mean, make it happen, but it's still not easy. Yeah, I mean, I certainly would not say it's easy. I don't think anything in community is easy. If yeah. I <laughs> I think there's a there's a couple of things. So so yes, there's some, you know, to go back to the original point, I think that there's some companies that probably kind of get it off the bat or they get that it's something that's important because they hear about it a lot, but they don't necessarily understand that it's the the value comes from the customers connecting to each other. They see it as more of a channel. Um and I've seen that all definitely want community. It's not the authentic type of community that we know it needs to be to be successful. So it's a good point. Yeah. I think that I've seen that a lot. It doesn't mean that companies don't get it right off the bat, but I, I don't think it's a ton that do up to the sea level uh, for sure. And then in terms of resources, um, I, I am in another a, a fortunate situation. I mean, the community is a top goal for us um, as a company and it's recognized as a top goal. So I do, uh, I do have a lot of success, I guess, in getting, 
uh, prioritized, but I also think that that takes a lot of work. Um, it's not easy, certainly, even though it is a top co- company priority, because the people that you're working with at the company, even if all of the C-suite and exec team get it, they need to get it too. So they're bought in so that they are going to prioritize it. And so that the work that they're doing, they feel ownership over it. We want everybody at the company to feel ownership over the community. It's not just my community. It, it belongs to everybody at, at Venify. It belongs to the community, of course, first, but I want everybody to have a stake in it. So one of the things that I think is really important is internal marketing, internal awareness. So uh, I presented uh, at an all hands not that long ago, just to make sure everybody knew, you know, what is community? What are we trying to do? How do you talk to your customers about it? All of those different pieces to get them to just understand kind of baseline what the community is. But then I also continue having an internal blog post that I'm writing regularly to let them know, you know, status of what's going on in the community, or I'll tell them, you know, some general um, information about some of the customer conversations that are going on. So things like that uh, right now, because the community is so, so, so new, we don't have any Venify team members in there except for me, just because I don't want it to be overloaded with us and not, you know, the, the community members being able to talk to each other, but eventually we will open it up and there's going to be an engagement plan for how the internal members engage in the community, how our salespeople leverage the community, not to sell in the community, but use it as a selling point. Hey, you buy our product, you get this incredible community and incredible resources that come with the community as just part of being in our ecosystem. So there's, there's tons of stuff like that, that I think about um, when it comes to resources. Um, It's, it's really internal awareness, internal buy-in across the board, not just at the leadership. Super important. Super important. I, that's what I spent the first six months or longer doing. And then, you know, you, you're, you're taking a different approach than I did, which I'd love to hear more about that. I don't, I don't know if this is the right place to have it, but, um, <laughs> you know, uh, you mentioned that you don't have any of your employees in mm-hmm. there, uh, which I took kind of the opposite approach is mm-hmm. I had all employees in there because I wanted to get them engaged and involved because I was not an expert at all on the products and still mm-hmm. am not. And then, uh, and so I felt like, you know, as a support community and I'm not sure what, I guess I'm calling it a support community today, but it's like, look, I just need those answers to some of those questions quickly. Who do, who can I find to get some of that? And how do I get the organization really uh, excited? So I'm interested to to know more about kind of what type of community are you thinking? And then two is, you know, how how are you reaching out to those customers to get them on the community? Because that's always a hard part is mm-hmm. getting customers on board and involved when, when Greenfield in the community. Yeah. So uh, right now, like I said, the community is tiny. Um, I, um, when I, huh? I said, of course it is. I mean, that's just what it's, happens it's, in the very beginning. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, that was actually a funny thing that I presented in the uh, in the all hands. It's like, if you build it, they will come. Just kidding. No. So, <laughs> exactly. I was about to say. Yeah. So um, one of the things was, you know, first and foremost is figuring out what the, it, you know, starting with online, offline, COVID happened. So I was not going to start with user groups. Um, <laughs> so, you know, shifted to being very much focused online and then thinking about a platform. Well, one of the things is that we just had our first customer conference last year. We didn't really have an audience per se. So if I had, the way that I described it to the company was that right now we are basically taking our car and going to the grocery store 
once a week. And that's the only time we use our car. If I went out and got a community platform right now, it'd be buying like buying a stretch Hummer, you know, to take us to the grocery store once a week. And that's not what we need. So, and, and if we're going to put that much, uh, you know, money and all the resources into something like that, I want it to be successful. Uh, especially because they've never done community before. So I took a step back and decided that the first focus really needs to be on building our audience first. And so uh, we started with Slack. It's not, oh, that was my dog in the background. Sorry, he sounds like oh, a dog. No, no. I love dogs. Um, <laughs> uh, so it wasn't, um, it's, it's not the free version of Slack. We do have single sign-on because we are working with security and that's important to our customers. But um, we are using Slack right now just to start building the audience. Uh, we had a virtual customer summit a few weeks ago. And so anybody that came to the virtual customer summit was invited into the community. And so now those conversations are really starting and they're starting to talk to each other and ask each other questions. Um, and then we'll open it up to all of our customers probably in the next month and a half, two months, once, you know, there's some content seated in there um, from, from us, I might have, a, you know, a couple different things that go on for this smaller group that's in there right now, but the conversations are happening um, which is why I haven't jumped in and brought, you know, a bunch of people from the Venify team in yet, because it's not a support channel. We have a great support team. They can fill out a support ticket if they need that. It's really, again, about them building networks and connecting with each other. Uh, so I want to start that way and make sure that that's the, uh, that's the direction we're going in. There's no one way of doing things. That's really the community. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, you just explained a way that I didn't even try. I just, you know, people were like wanting the platform, and uh, you know, I had to figure that out, you know. And then we did buy a platform uh, a few months after I got there, right? But, mm -hmm. um, but I, I like that. I like that a lot. I, I do wonder, like, as you kind of get bigger, you know, how do you move those conversations over from a Slack, which is obviously extremely easy to use, you know, it's made for conversations, mm -hmm. but you know, it's, how do you move that over into like a platform and things like, look, you don't have to have everything figured out, but you know, it's, yeah. I've heard some of that being pretty difficult at times to do, you know, sure. if you build it so big into Slack, you know, so. Well, I think that it's going to be something we revisit within the year. So it's not, you know, I, we just, again, like we, I don't know this audience. We don't know this audience. We kind of have an idea of who the personas are that are in our community or will be in our community, but I just want to better understand them, get to know them, ask them questions, get their feedback and build this next version with them versus assume I know. And then I think um, in terms of moving them, it really just has to be focused on bringing the value over to the new platform. So if we bring our product managers over there, if we bring all of our good content over there, if we bring really great uh, exclusive opportunities over there, there's no reason to stay in Slack. I like how you're thinking big, Holly. Yeah. You're thinking big right off. Love it. <laughs> no, it's, it's good. You got to have that vision. Um, and I think that's highly important. I love it. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll second that. I think having a you know community manager leader should have this strong vision about where you want to go, right? From the near term to the long term. Yep. Great. It's great. Well, it might not work, and then we'll iterate. Exactly, and that's okay. <laughs> well, Holly, it, it, well, it might not work how you think it's going to work. Exactly. Something that I've learned uh, over just the two years I've been in, or close to two years I've been in Perva is I, I had this vision. It was this huge vision of one-stop shop. Well, that's that wasn't realistic. I didn't know that at first, but 
it's I, I don't know that it ever will be this one-stop shop. You know, customer goes to community can do all these things, you know, and get the information they want right off. But it's happening. But it's it's getting closer to that. But it's a year from now, a year and a half from now. You know, it's it's like these things are happening, but slowly but surely. It's not as fast as I would have liked, or you know, those kinds of things. Because mm -hmm. you have technology issues. You have all potentially. You know, uh, each company has their own things that they have to go through. And then eventually you hope to get them there, but you have to continue with that vision and continue to preach that, I think, or evangelize it. But uh, I, I love it. I mean, it's it's the right thing to do is to have that vision. Yeah. And I, again, like, I, I don't think you can go wrong if you have a group of people in your community that are highly engaged and you're getting mm -hmm. feedback from them along the way. I think that's the best thing that you can do. And so for me, getting a small group together now in Slack and using that as an opportunity to springboard into something bigger, uh, you know, I think that will only that will only help. It can't harm by having them be a part of the building because then they feel ownership and they're invested in it and they want to be a part of it too. That's great. And Holly, I hate for us to, I hate to take more of your time, but I really, really appreciated the time you spent with us and talk about your past, your career, uh, giving some sharing with our audience about how you got here and, even a little bit about what you're doing uh, today at uh, Vinify. I really, really, really appreciate your time with us. Yeah. Thanks again for having me on. Sorry about the dog squawking in the background. Oh, I love it. It's the, <laughs> time, of, the time of COVID. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I live all the time, so I really have no excuse. <laughs> so a little forgiveness would be nice. No, it's wonderful. I love it. Thank you, Holly, very, very, very much. And thank you guys very much for listening to us one more time. Uh, another episode of Peers Over Beers. My name is Michael Sandoval. And I'm Chris Detzel. All right. Thank you guys very much. All right.